welcome to the Empathic Mastery Show. I'm your host, Jennifer Moore, and I'm so glad you're here. This is a place where we talk about what it means to be highly sensitive and empathic, how this impacts all aspects of our lives, and we explore tools, resources, and solutions so we can shift from absorbing all the thoughts, feelings, and energy of the world around us to being beacons for calm, love, and healing. Hey there, everybody. I'm back for another episode, and I have a really sweet, delightful guest with me today, Jamie Lynn. Jamie Lynn and I first met on her podcast, the Electric Spirit Podcast, and there was just such a nice harmony with our conversation that I was like, I really want to bring you over onto my podcast. And so now, like nearly a year later, we are doing this. So Jamie Lynn is a gifted fourth generation psychic medium, energy worker, and paranormal investigator who has been giving readings for 30 years and full-time for 10 years. Jamie realized that she had this gift at the age of five and started doing readings at the age of 15. I was like 18 when I or 19 when I started mine. Jamie possesses a PhD in business psychology and an MBA from Michigan State University. She is the host of the Eclectic Spirit podcast, where I got to be a guest. And you can find Jamie on her website, Psychic Jamie, and that's J A M I E dot com. Jamie, welcome. I'm so glad you're here. Thank you so much for having me. This is so wonderful. I'm just so delighted. And I mean, we already just started talking about all these different threads and pieces about being highly sensitive and empathic, especially like as it feels like the world is a dumpster fire right now. But I have to say, I really want to hear about the fact that you are a fourth generation psychic medium. Like, that's pretty amazing. But before we go into any of that stuff, I always love to start by just talking about what it was like for you as a younger person, as an empath. Did you struggle? Did you know what you were? Like, just kind of tell me about yourself. Tell us about your childhood. Whenever you woke, I mean, obviously, you knew you were because you were five when you started doing readings or or 15. Yeah. 15 when you started doing readings, but five when you woke up. So I was nine when I really, when it really activated for me, which is interesting because I was, you were five when you woke up. I was nine when I woke up. You were 15 when you started readings. I was 19 when I started doing readings. There's actually like the timeline is almost identical, except that I was a little bit older, but the same gap between the wake up and then the doing readings. Anyway. Yeah. we could. Yeah. (laughs) So let's talk about the beginning. Okay. Well. I was about five. I started seeing things that weren't there in my bedroom, spirits, and I would talk to them. And um, my mom and her sister, they're real close, and they'd be standing outside the door and they'd say to me, Who are you talking to? You know, and I'm like, Well, there's two boys in there. And they're like, No, there's not. You know, <laughs> my brother was a like an infant at the time, or he was a toddler. So it wasn't him, but um, I was seeing things that weren't there. So that's when I really started to realize this is something. <laughs> and know? when you say you yeah. were seeing things, how did you see it? Was it like you, it was it like as clear as day, like you yeah. and I sitting here? Yes. It was wow. as clear as day. They were solid. Uh, they were uh, boys. I, you know, I grew up in the 70s. So this is probably mm-hmm. 1976 or 77. And, um, you know, they just looked as clear as day and they were in pioneer clothes. So they may have used to live on the land or something, but yeah. 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 Well, and I've heard this from a number of people who were mediums and who the dead started working with them very early that one of the big challenges is being able to distinguish between who's alive and who's dead because, if you can see them like you can, or you could at that point, it's kind of confusing. Like, who am I seeing who's here and other people can see? And who are the people who are here who that nobody else can see them? Right, exactly. 
So yeah. that was interesting. But I knew that they real humans for some reason I knew that at five. Wow. Mm-hmm. And um and so you would just talk to them and connect with them. Yeah. Did you have that experience everywhere? Like, or was it was it mm-hmm. sometimes? Sometimes yeah. I did, yeah. I it also escalated. I became a certified babysitter at 12. My girlfriend and I took a babysitting class at a hospital. We became certified babysitters. And I babysat at my mom and dad's friend's house. And their house was haunted. So I used to see things there. Mm. And I used to babysit there for years. Wow. That sounds hard. Yeah. Yeah. It was hard. But it was interesting. It was an interesting experience. And then just growing up in elementary school, I just could feel things. But the way I processed it was like, stay under the radar, don't say anything and keep quiet. That's how I was. So I didn't draw attention to myself. Yes. Well, and there's so many of us who get the message very, very early on. Don't rock the boat. Don't make a big deal out of this. This is, you know, pay no attention to the man behind the curtain. And what I'm struck by as we're starting this conversation is just even the distinction between the part of you that was an empath that was picking up the, you know, picking up information from the living world versus the part of you that was a medium that was picking up information from the not living world. Yeah. Did you notice or could you tell the difference between like what was coming from the living people around you versus like? the dead people that were coming to visit you? Yes, I could. Like I could pick up on, my grandpa had a lot of health problems. We were really close. So sometimes I could feel some of the things he was going through. So that was hard, but I could kind of tell, you know, or I could also growing up, I could kind of tell if someone didn't like me, so I'd stay away from them. So I could kind of pick up on feelings and that kind of thing, but then the mediumship stuff. So I did differentiate between the two. Yeah. Yeah. I don't know how, but. (laughs) The other thing I was noticing or, and I, and you can confirm this, but I'm kind of suspecting from what I'm hearing you say is that you were not freaked out by dead people. and. I've noticed, like, I had my first prophetic dream at the age of nine about somebody's di- somebody's death, and it didn't mm-hmm. freak me out. And I'm sort of like, it's fascinating to me how there are those of us who kind of have this kind of connection or have the shine, as it were, who, but it's sort of like we don't get freaked out by it versus the people who, like, they're just like, and really terrified of of spirits talking to them or connecting with them. And it sounds like you were not freaked out. No, I wasn't. I think my dad's a medium. So on his, on both sides of the family, there's psychics and mediums. And my grandma was psychic, my mom's mom. So they would talk to me about different things. And my dad was really big on like ascended masters. Like I'd ask Mm. them who my guardian angel was. So I didn't feel afraid really. Um, now when I babysat in that house, I was, the spirit there was not real nice, but I still try to remain composed. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. So more of a nuisance spirit or right. like, a, you know, and kind of a brat. You know? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. But I didn't want to yeah. say much to, um, the people that lived there. My dad's friend was a biology teacher and then he started seeing things. So I'm like, okay, I'm not crazy. Like this is really happening. And the kids were seeing things. So yeah. 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 There was a the, the house next door to us where I grew up in a weird neighborhood where it felt like this whole cluster of houses all got built. They were all like English Tudor style stucco houses that were built in this one sort of like neighborhood at the exact same time. And they all had a weird, like every one of the houses just had a weird vibe to them, including our house. Even though I, to my knowledge, nobody died in our house ever. It just, there was this feeling, but the next door neighbor's house, particularly after the father died, sadly, 
it's said he took his life, but he was the district attorney and or the assistant to the district attorney. And his death has always been a little bit suspicious. And it's like, did he actually commit suicide or was he was this a taking care of business kind of thing? But after he died, that house got weird. That house got weird. So, yeah. So you talk about being a fourth generation psychic medium Mm -hmm. and you also were saying, so your dad seems to have mediumship. Mm -hmm. Your maternal grandmother has mediumship. What about your mom? Did she, did she have this too? Oh, she's psychic too, but I think she tries to put it away. Like she kind of wasn't as open to it as my father was. Yeah. Yeah. And what about your father? Does it run down that side of the family as well? Yes, because his aunt, she would be my great aunt. She used to read tea leaves and she would see religious visions in her, on her farm. And and as a matter of fact, when my dad was five and his sister was 15. So I asked his sister this and she was 15. She saw the same thing. So my, my dad's one of seven and he had lots of cousins and They went to my great aunt, the one that read tea leaves, and there was a giant like harvest moon. They all had a a sleepover over at her house, my great aunt's house. And she says, oh, my gosh, she was kidding. And she was a nice person. But she says, the moon's going to crash on the field. And and they're like, oh, my gosh, you know, and, and I don't think she meant to say it, but she said a prayer. And there was like a huge illuminated cross in front of the moon that everybody saw. There was like 20 people there. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah. So I have it on both sides of the family. Mm. And so with having it on both sides of the family, did you get support for being the way you are? Or did you have the more standard, you're too sensitive, you're overreacting, you're making too big a a deal out of it. It's just your imagination, suck it up, buttercup. Like, did you, were they able to hold space for you and be like, oh yeah, no, you're having a psychic experience? Um, I think my mom was a little more critical of me. I hate to say it because I think she's more intellectual. So she's more in her head. She's the queen of swords and the tarot. (laughs) I'm the queen of cups. So which is fine. So she's just kind of tried to hide her psychic stuff, but it was her more kind of doing What's that. your mom's zodiac sign? Oh, she's a Libra. She's Libra, a Libra air sign. Yeah. My mother yeah. is an Aquarian. <laughs> oh, interesting. Yeah. Okay. No, yeah. no, just to Libras. I love Libras. No, she's Libras just very are great. In her head, she's more intellectual. And yeah, um, I think she really put a lot of this away. She has had a spiritual awakening since COVID. So it's been, you know, it's been better <laughs> but That's good but yeah. she wasn't mean but I think she no. just was the, the, you know and so but my grandmother her mother and my father were more of the people I could go to and say I feel this way and they were very understanding of it and my brother yeah. too my brother's younger than me and he has the same thing I do but he doesn't do it for a living yeah yeah mm-hmm. he could <laughs> yeah yeah Well, Mm -hmm. and I mean, and that really brings up a question of, yeah, you just because you can doesn't mean you should. And like, just the fact that like, some of us are called to do this for a living. Some of us are like, I'd rather just do this for fun, or I'd rather like, it's not our job. And I think, you know, just because like, even I was just thinking like, even though we're good at certain things, we still get to choose if it's the thing we want to do. So that. That feels so important. I'm thinking about, you know, just sort of that intersection between medium, psychic, and empath. And it sounds like you instinctively knew things or knew the difference between certain stuff. When did you start to recognize, like, because I find being an empath is one thing, being a psychic is another thing. And I often I find that Many, many empaths are also psychics, but not all psychics are empaths. When did you start to realize or understand that you were an empath and how did you see it impacting you? I could really feel the emotions of others really as an empath. I really took things very personally when I was in 
I think fifth grade, I had a student. He was a couple of years younger than me, but his sister was in my class and he died of a brain tumor. Mm. So I really took on that. I really could impact in me or if someone was in a car accident, I could really feel it. And I really focused on it and I couldn't like let go of it. It just, that's, that's how I felt. Just, I could just pick up the feelings of, of other people. Yeah. 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 Especially in public places when I go places like with my grandmother, when I went to the grocery store, I'd feel the energy of people. Yeah. Grocery stores. I mean, Walmart, that's a whole, Yeah, that's just a whole bag of wrong. And like public transportation, stems. I mean, yeah, yeah. that kind of thing. Also, I don't know if empaths have sensitivity to noise, but like my ears were very, very, very sensitive as a kid. Like I couldn't go underwater swimming. When I went to go see fireworks with my family, I mean, I, I couldn't tell them I was so afraid. I'm like, I don't want to hear this loud noise. Like, I can't hear this. I don't want to hear this. <laughs> so it was really difficult. Yeah, I'm not that. a dark. I'm not a doctor, nor do I play one no. on TV. But I've right. talked to a lot of empaths, and what I will say is yes. Okay. Um, I, in my experience, sensory processing—we're sensitive. We're yeah. sensitive to everything. We're sensitive. Mm-hmm. Many, I mean, many of us are sensitive to fragrances. Many of us are sensitive yes. to foods. Many of us are sensitive to like to mold and other kinds of you know, things in the environment and sound. I, you are not the first, you will not be the last. I personally was very, very sound sensitive for a very long time. Fortunately, uh, between a combination of really curating sound and being really mindful of where I put myself, it's gotten, you know, I'm mindful of like not putting myself in a place where the sound is going to overwhelm me. But I've also done a lot of energy work and tapping to decrease my reactivity to sound because it was like physically painful to my body to be around intense, you know, loud noises and certain kinds of noises. And I even respond to tone of voice. Like if somebody speaks with a particular tone of voice, it's just like, I feel it in my body. Yeah, me too. Or, you know, the lights in the schools. Like I said, I grew up in the 70s. And the lights were so bright. It was horrible. <laughs> and the fluorescence. I remember the one, like one of the first times I was really like, oh my God, I cannot tolerate fluorescent lights. Mm-hmm. Because I mean, it was like the early 80s and I had gone to a department store and I'd been living in, I was living in Cleveland at the time and I was living in an apartment where all of the lights were incandescent lights. And I was pretty much anywhere I went was places with incandescent lights. And I remember going into this big like Macy's or something. And I remember the combination of being near the perfume counter and all of the synthetic fragrances and the lights, but the frequency of that, like that imperceivable frequency from the fluorescent lights, I felt high as a kite. Like I felt stoned and just completely disoriented. And I was like, I have to get out of here. And so, especially in like the seventies and the eighties, all of that, you know, those big fluorescent ballasts everywhere, those lights were just. Yeah, they were. I couldn't wait to get home. And uh, you know, there's another thing I just, the feeling of being overwhelmed too. I remember when I was in kindergarten, I ran home because I lived a block from my school and I just felt really overwhelmed. I didn't want to be there. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you and I were sort of talking about overwhelm. Like we, we were talking before about just like some of the things that are going on in the world right now. You were talking about having a daughter Mm -hmm. who is not only sounds like, you know, very sensitive and probably rather empathic, but also on the autism spectrum. Yes. And just that experience of like what it's well, and then reliving it as a mother in the sense of like, you're watching her going through middle school and everything. Yeah. Yeah. It's very difficult. I, I haven't really told anybody and I'm coming out with it on your podcast, which I chose to do. We talked about it beforehand and it's very challenging, not her per se, but just dealing with the people 
Well, and you but, were saying, you know, people don't get you guys. That, no, they don't. Yeah. And just being in, the, in an environment where people don't necessarily, I was actually, I, as I was driving, I was telling you that we had my, one of my dear friends and I had gone to the Franciscan monastery. It's just a spectacularly beautiful place in Maine. Um, and as we were driving home, I was talking about like just how hard it is or annoying it is too to be around when muggles invalidate you. Like where yeah. you're like, yeah, this dead person was just talking to me. And they're like, well, that's what you think, <laughs> you know, or like maybe. Okay. Yeah, right. Exactly. Sure. <laughs> you know, but just yeah. the dismissiveness and that quality of like, yeah, sure. That, that's what you think. No, that's true. Like there's yeah. one particular person. I feel like she doesn't like me or my daughter associated with the school. And I'll tell somebody and they'll say, oh no, that person's really, really nice. It's like, no, she's not, not to me. <laughs> you know? Right. It's like, right. So it's, you know, sometimes they, it makes you feel like they don't believe you or, yeah. like, or they do invalidate you, like you were saying. Yeah. Well, and it's sort of, and I think that, you know, I've actually, I haven't really talked a lot about this on this podcast, but for those of us like, well, I mean, I have in the sense that I've talked a lot about the litany of of words of the you're too sensitive you're reacting you're taking it too personally yeah. you've got reactive imagination but the way that so many people invalidate deny because they can't see or hear what we see and hear they go into this place where they're just like yeah right sure you know yeah. and it's like you're seeing dead people they are yeah. literally talking to you but you've got these muggles or these people who don't have the level of sensitivity that you've got basically being like, that's not real. I mean, yeah. it's frustrating. It is frustrating. Yeah. It it's is. hard. It's hard. Yeah. yeah. So I know. So yeah. I'm curious. So, so you're paranormal investigator. Yes. It's the level of sensitivity that you have what made you decide to do that? <laughs> like, <laughs> like I'm, I'm kind of like, yeah. I totally get psychic medium and energy worker, paranormal investigator. I'm like, did you find it validating? Did you find it interesting? Did you find it helpful? Or was there a point where you're like, you know what, I'm going to hang up my hat and stop doing paranormal investigation because this is too intense. This is too much. Like, like, yeah. I don't know. It's almost like, like there are certain places like I will not, I have never gone. I keep on thinking one day I'll go to Gettysburg and then spirit is just like, don't go to Gettysburg, Jennifer. Like don't yeah. go to Gettysburg. And then another place that I've wanted to go to, but will never go to is that castle that's in like the mansion castle, Winchester mansion. Oh, right. In, in California. I think it's in what is in Santa Monica. Uh, no, it's more north, actually. It's near San Jose. San Jose. Right. Yeah. It's, it's just south of San Francisco. So there's the Winchester. Yeah. And then is there another one or is it just the Winchester Mansion? Um, just... There's one that's really haunted in San Diego called the Wally House or Whaley House. Ben, I think the mm -hmm. one with the that was the Whaley House where it was like yeah. the composer who channeled the musicians. I think so. I, can't I think, remember. yeah, because I've yeah. been, I've been on a quote ghost and gro graveyards tour yeah. in San Francisco, not San, I mean, San Diego. And yeah. I'm, so I've been to some really interesting places in San Diego, cool. but no, yeah. So the Winchester mansion, there was a point where we were thinking about going to see it. And then one of my dear friends, he was like, Jennifer, you really, you really want to go to a place that's notoriously haunted? And like even yeah. being in um, Savannah was interesting because Savannah is just such a haunted, especially by the waterfront is so haunted. Yeah. So that kind of leads me to be like, so yeah, Why? what led <laughs> you to be a paranormal investigator? Well, um, I lived in some interesting places. I lived in the DC area, which I was about an hour from Gettysburg. So I did do, that was my first taste of it. I was kind of a guest person in a paranormal group and they made me the lead psychic in Gettysburg. And it was really a cool opportunity that somebody gave me. So I did do that and I just really enjoyed it. So when I moved to the Boston area, 
I saw an ad that they were looking for a lead psychic to be in this professional paranormal group. And I, I actually interviewed for it. I had to go and interview with two of the members. It was a formal interview. And I thought, oh, I probably won't get this. <laughs> I, I don't know. I was, just, you know, it was like a, like a long shot. Like, like, do they like me? You know, am I going to get it? And they ended up hiring me, which was really cool. And I just, I really enjoyed the investigations. I just enjoyed being the psychic and they'd usually have somebody drive me to the location and they wouldn't give me the address. Kind of like how they do a Tyler Henry on his show. They'll drive him somewhere and he doesn't know where he's, where he's going. So I can't research it beforehand. Not, not like I would, but they just want to make sure it's like a blind thing. And then what would happen was, is they'd have me go in there and then come out and report to them what I felt. And it was, it was validated what I felt. I'd, I'd pick up on what was going on and who was affected by it. And I just thought it was really interesting. And I yeah. also love ghost hunters. Shout out to the ghost hunters. I think they're really cool. And I like Chip Coffee. I've met him in person a few times. He's a really great person. He's a psychic. And he's on a lot of TV shows like Kindred Spirits. And he's actually a very nice person. I was lucky to talk with him a few times at an event in Gettysburg when I was working with the paranormal group. So I kind of like those people were kind of like my people that I'm like, oh, those guys are cool. I want to do this too. So I wasn't really afraid to yeah. do it. I was like very intrigued. I miss it. <laughs> I wonder <laughs> you know? if. I picked up a camera and became a photographer like I was like, I think 19 when I picked, I picked up two things that are have been with me my, my whole life. At the age of 19, I started using, I started doing photography and I started reading tarot cards. But one of the things that I noticed is that if I had a camera or tarot cards with me, which were both kind of jobs, I could show up in crowds that I would be very overwhelmed, empathically overwhelmed by. If I was not with, if I didn't have a a purpose, like if I didn't have something. And I wonder if being a paranormal investigator, like gave you such a focused assignment that you were less susceptible to picking up all of the weird energy that like, if you just show up at Gettysburg, not prepared, like you're going to take a energetic I think many of us will take an energetic hit there. Yeah. And I wonder if because you were wor- you were working within the context of paranormal investigation, following protocols, probably really preparing and protecting yourself before you go into those places, it's almost like the work protected you from the intensity of it. Yes, that's true. And the people yeah. that ran the group, it was professional, like one was a former police officer who was in the army, you know, they were very nice guys. They just, they ran a really tight ship, which was good. So yeah, it was professional. And I think that that did make us, you know, I don't know me less afraid. I mean, you know, and, and I felt like I had the support of them. Yes. So that, yes. And so you were saying you were in Massachusetts and um, so were you in, I'm originally from Massachusetts. So I'm really curious about the, were you in Boston proper or were you in the suburbs of Boston? I was, Did you go yeah. all over the place? Um, I didn't mean to interrupt. I, I'm in the, I was in no, the please. South Shore of Boston, but I just said Boston because maybe people wouldn't know, <laughs> right? Yeah. But if you're less, you were, yeah. Yeah. yeah a yes. suburb of Boston. So were you, yeah. so in terms of the suburb of Boston, I mean, were you talking like Dedham, Milton, you know, Quincy um, or something? Or are we talking further South, like even um, like Braintree and... Kind of. Uh, I, we lived in a couple of places. I was in Quincy for a little while and then, uh, down, I don't know, like near Weymouth. Yep. Not in Weymouth, but near Weymouth. So that's a little yeah. bit more South, but yeah. 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 And I mean, so I actually, um, spent the first three years of my life in Squantum, which is, uh, like a neighborhood of Quincy. So oh, interesting. interesting that you lived yeah. in Quincy. Yeah. 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 And the South Shore is such an interesting, I mean, you've obviously, and then you got like Lizzie Borden country and that yeah. whole area, which has really got some energy. Yeah. Um, really interesting energy down there. And then for some reason, I don't know if you ever spent any time down in Hull, but like, yes. in sort of like a lot, that, a mm-hmm. lot of energy down in Hull. Yeah. Like, yes. Yeah. 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 
Yeah. So did you guys do most investigation within within Massachusetts on the South Shore, or did you travel up to Maine? Did you travel to New Hampshire? Did you um, travel to different areas? Yeah. Or did you- yeah. I didn't mean to we were in no, Rhode Island. Awful. Yeah. R- Rhode Island. We we went to um Fort Adams a lot, which is a new near Newport, Rhode Island. So we'd investigate mm-hmm. Fort Adams a lot. Mm-hmm. Like we even spent the night there once. Oh my God. Oh yeah. 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 And so we'd go to Rhode Island quite a bit, even to clients. Like they'd be in Rhode Island and we'd go there and Connecticut, New Hampshire. Yeah. Not Maine. Now, but mainly, mainly Massachusetts. And interestingly, yeah. in my personal experience, because I am originally from Massachusetts, I have found that Maine is probably one of the most haunted places I've ever been. There's more energy and more hauntings and more ghosts here than there seem to be. And a lot of people where in Massachusetts, I think you get a lot of people who are kind of like ghosts most, like many people don't tend to take ghosts very or like think, you know, yeah, you're making this shit up. Here, even ordinary people will often be like, oh, yeah, it's a haunted house. Like, there's a way in which there's not that kind of, like, people just accept it more readily. Doesn't Stephen King live in Maine? Yes, he does. He's from, so he's from Bangor, which is much further north than I am. And Stephen, yeah, I mean, Stephen, and the thing that's really wonderful about Stephen's, so much of Stephen's writing is that he really captures the sort of weird spooky gothic kind of strangeness of this yeah. state he's yeah. really cool i've he seen really his is. house it's like he has a really cool victorian he does home. yes yes uh-huh. yeah nice and spooky yeah, yeah so we were all over massachusetts so we'd go even you know more west go down by lizzie borden's house yeah um we did go to the conjuring house i can't remember where that was we did go inside there I don't think I've ever been there or know about that place. I mean, there's just so yeah. many you start hearing about or learning about, and it's like just so many places. It's just amazing. Yeah. yeah it was a fun yeah. ride being in that group. It's really cool. I can and then imagine. I moved to California, so then I had to leave the group. Oh, it wasn't because well, I wanted to. <laughs> okay. So if yeah. anybody's listening to this right now and is part of a professional, paranormal investigators group in california and you're in southern california yeah southern california yeah in southern california what basic area or region are you in like what county are you in i'm just north of san diego okay so north of san diego you guys so san diego area if you're listening to this podcast and you happen to be part of a paranormal investigators group that is looking for another member Please reach out to Jamie because she's ready to pick up her, put it back on her psychic investigator yeah, hat. Definitely. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that would be so awesome. Yeah. I still have my equipment too. So. Oh, cool. very cool. Yeah. So actually, I mean, can you share some stories with us about like, what's mo- one of the most like, oh my God. Like, just, you can't make this shit up story. Like, kind of like gobsmacked. Oh my God, I can't believe that just happened story. Uh, there's a couple. There yeah, was please. A, yeah. Well, Gettysburg, for one thing, is just like everything would happen there. You know, there'd be things going off and you'd get, I don't know if you want to call them orbs or you'd get things on camera, that kind of thing. In Massachusetts... There was an inn. I think it was the Grafton Inn we went to. Don't quote me on that. I think it was. And there's a little ghost, little girl ghost that haunts the inn. And we did the flashlight experiment. So there was about six of us in the room. And we have it on video, the recording of this. And this is just something that just, I couldn't believe I was seeing it with my own eyes. So you you put a maglite flashlight on a dresser. And you just tell the ghost to turn it on and off. Um, It's not with a button, but there's something with, I don't know how they do it. But I'm telling you, for 20 minutes, this little girl ghost was turning this flashlight on and off. And I was like 10, or not 10 feet from it, maybe three feet from it. And I'm, I'm like, oh my gosh, this is totally amazing. It was, you couldn't even make it up or, I mean, there was, we couldn't debunk it. No, no. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Something about lights. And when my friend died, 
after he died, he and his husband had been living in a particular house for like eight years and never, ever, ever, ever had the fire alarm or any of the alarm systems gone off the day after he died. It was just going on constantly. He was just constantly setting off the alarms. And then one time his husband was going to be late for something. He overslept. His alarm didn't go off. He turned, they had a chandelier over their bed. He turned on the chandelier and woke him up with the light. <laughs> oh <laughs> just my like, goodness. Come on, wake up. But personally, the most amazing thing I ever saw was on the second anniversary of his death, we were hanging out in their living room and we were talking and all of a sudden we look, the cats were watching something. So we just sort of followed the cat's eyes and we looked down at the floor and there were these, those, if you've ever had cats and you get those felted balls that are made of felt that are like, yes. you know, yeah. And so if a cat has them for a while, those felted balls can turn into a really wonky shape. Like they go from mm -hmm. being round to being kind of like lopsided and blobby. Yes. So these were like chewed up like blobs. They were more like oval, like wonky, blobby oval shapes than balls. And so they were not something that would roll anymore. And we're watching as the cats are watching something and suddenly the cats look down at the ball and the cats are here. We are sitting on the couch and all of a sudden the ball just starts to like, as if somebody was pushing it with their finger, it just starts to move across the rug on the floor. And oh we look at each other and I look at my friend and I'm like, did you just see that? And he's like, yeah, did you just see that? And then as if on cue, the ball starts to get pushed again, even further. That for me was the moment when I was like, you can't make this shit up. No, that's this amazing. is, it was crazy. Like this was the most, I mean, electronics <sighs> is one thing, yeah. but he moved a physical object. There was yes. no no air conditioning on. It was a yeah. Berber carpet with enough pile that this wonky felt thing was not going to get, it wasn't going to roll. It wasn't going to move. The cats were not touching it. It My was goodness. like undeniably moving. So wow. that's, that's my, incredible. isn't that incredible? Yeah. Yeah. That's cool though. I like that. Yeah. I, I do have one more story. Yes, please. Now the room that I'm in, uh, I didn't turn the headlight on. I have my ring light on because mm -hmm. we have a spirit in here that's a good spirit and it plays with the lights and I have it on on tape. I'll probably put it on my YouTube channel, Electric Spirit Podcast YouTube channel of I talk to it on command that's blinking the light. It's unbelievable. I'll tell it to blink the light and it'll it'll literally like blink a light bulb in the light. It's like you can't make this up. No, you can't make this up. Now I'm like, oh, turn on the light. Let's see if they'll do that for us. <laughs> well, one time I was in a podcast interview that I was interviewing somebody and there was this butterfly orb literally flew diagonal across the screen. And the guy's like that I was interviewing. He's like, did you just see that? I'm like, yes. He's like, oh my gosh, you know, so one thing that's been happening with me and particularly that I have one client that I work with and as we're doing a bunch of energy healing and energy clearing, when we get, when certain things happen, but especially when certain ancestors are talked about or spirits are talked about, the thumbs up button will suddenly appear on the scam, you know, like the emoji of the thumbs button, up thumbs up button will just suddenly show up on their screen. And be like, yep, you've got it. Oh and it seems like it's their uncle because a lot of times the uncle seems to be the one who's confirming things with this. Mm -hmm. Like it seems like most of the time it's that, but it's just like they're sitting away from their computer screen. I'm obviously nowhere near the computer screen because we're working via Zoom, but it's like suddenly just that emoji just come pops up and it's just like, yep, you got it. And the timing is always so precise like it's always like they will say something or make an observation and it's like exactly the right comment or thing and that's when the thumbs up button comes and it's like yep you're on to something here you got that's, it that is Isn't amazing that cool? i think that is so yeah. cool they can what's cool about technology is now they're messing around with technology <laughs> you know it's pretty cool 
Yeah. 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 It's just amazing. It is. Well, and I love how one of the things that I'm kind of hearing you say, or that I'm hearing in this is like, we can work with them. We can ask them for proof. We can ask them for evidence. We can ask them to show us things. Yeah. And a lot of times they will oblige. They will, they will, they will help or do something. Yeah. That's what it seems like. It's pretty cool. Yeah. 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 And the one here, I'm not afraid of it. It's, I think it's a a good spirit that's here. So I just, I just let it be here. I'm not going to tell it to go away. I feel like it's okay. As long as I don't hurt anybody. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. 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 I, I sort of am like, I kind of have a similar attitude towards like wildlife on my land and grant, you know, the groundhogs in particular, it's like, you can, we can peacefully cohabitate as long as you do not do something to my favorite plants. Like, you know, don't mess with things and I will be, you know, and you're welcome to be here. Yeah. Right. Exactly. Yeah. 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 So we've got a little bit of time before I give you the heads up. We're coming towards the end of this. And I'm just thinking, you know, we talked a little bit about what you're really looking at right now. I mean, I could talk about paranormal stuff with you for the rest of this conversation. I know, right? Just because it's so rich. It's so juicy. Yeah. Actually, one question I'll ask you before I go to the next sort of question I was going to I was going to ask is just so the naysayers, the people who are skeptical, I'm imagining being a paranormal investigator and having these experiences where you're just like, this is irrefutable. Like, this right. is just, this is like, come on, people, you can't mm-hmm. deny it. But how do you, like, did you go through an evolution? Did you get to the point where you were just kind of like, this is my reality? And if you don't like it, yes. you can F off or. Yeah, I'm basically there now. I used to really worry what people thought of me. I really wanted to be liked because on the Enneagram, I'm a two. So I was, you know, a people pleaser. So I'm kind of, you know, I have a really great life coach <laughs> that helps me through that and and getting more confidence in myself and my abilities and just saying, you know, if you don't believe it, really, that's your problem. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> Sorry. I'm just being yeah. blunt. No, exactly. No. I actually came up with a saying that's like, don't judge your empathic rainbow by colorblind standards. Like yeah. we see the full spectrum. Don't yeah. let somebody who can't see the full spectrum tell you what reality is. It's right. like, the world is skewed. We're living in a world that doesn't see all of it and telling those of us who do see more that we're making shit up when the truth right. is they're the ones who are colorblind. They're the ones who are missing a piece of the equation. And it's like, oh, honey, you're the one with the, de- you're the one with the deficit. You're the one with yep. the deficiency here. Yeah. You're the ones who see what's real, but like the dominant paradigm of you know, spirit is not real is just, oh, it's so, and I think it's just so lethal. I mean, I don't know. You know, I've been doing this so long, but there's been times where I'm like, I, you know, is this really real? But I mean, there's been so many things that have happened that I just, it is real, you know, as in my reality, <laughs> it is real. Like, you know, and I have other family members that, like I said, they're scientists, they're in the medical field, and they didn't believe any of this until they got together with me and they're like, they're, I believe in this now, like wholeheartedly, you know? So, you know, if someone doesn't believe in it, they're missing out on some really awesome experiences. Well, and I also think that when we don't believe in it, we're seeing the world through this very limited lens where Mm -hmm. all that exists is form and there's no life after death. There's no spirit. And I think it's one of the biggest problems that we're having in the world right now is the fact that people don't understand the wholeness of all of it. And I think it affects the choices we make. It I think it causes people to have this sense of this is the only life they've got. So therefore they've got to like, like there's a sense of urgency. Um, But also I think it really reinforces fear. It reinforces anxiety. It reinforces violence because if you don't know it's, this world is so much greater. The universe is so much greater and our consciousness is so much greater than just this physical form. 
if that's all you got, it's a pretty scary world. Right. They're more closed-minded to things. But didn't Einstein say energy cannot be created or destroyed? It can only change forms. So exactly, exactly. Well, and I was I was actually I had taught a class yesterday and I was talking about how if you go far enough down the rabbit hole. Even science and especially physics is going to get to the point where it will say, none of this is real. This is all the way we perceive reality is an illusion because all this solid stuff is just a bunch of energy spinning and frequencies spinning at different rates that make it appear to be solid. And my human does not have the capacity to understand this very well at all, but I get a glimmer of like, wait a second, this thing, this solid glasses case that I can hold in my hand, that solidness is an illusion. What I'm really holding in my hand is a frequency and energy. And I think when we understand that, then maybe we can start, you know, opening to all of this other stuff. Yeah, it's really magical. And, you know, if someone doesn't believe in it, uh, and if someone's grumpy to me, I've just been sending them light and just letting it go. I had an encounter with someone the other day. She was very grouchy, but I sent her light in my heart. Because as an empath, you take on that feeling. Yes. And I'm like, I'm not going to take that feeling on. I'm going to send her love in her heart. And then when we parted ways, she said, I hope you have a nice day. And she smiled. So, I mean... Hey, well, and sometimes I think when we, you know, I think one of the challenges for us as empaths is not taking it personally and not thinking it's about us. Because so often we get that feedback that somebody's grumpy, somebody's having a hard day, somebody's miserable. And then, you know, Enneagram 2 or whatever it is that kind of makes us vulnerable to thinking, what did I do wrong? Why are they so angry? Why are they so upset? And sometimes I think it's just, oh, we're aware that they're upset and maybe our job is to just try to be like a beacon for peace, calm, love, and healing when they're just, and try to help them to kind of reboot and navigate and turn it around. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So I was thinking about... It's funny, we had talked about the possibility of talking about just kind of like, how do you keep it together in a world that is falling apart? And it feels like the conversation kind of went in a different direction than that. And I wanted to, and so the question that's actually coming to my mind is not that question, but is I'm imagining over the years that you have had the skeptics who come to you for readings. Oh, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. I had, how do you navigate what what did you realize about that? Like uh, when I first started doing it professionally, I was a little bit caught off guard and then I thought, "Oh boy, these these people don't really believe in this, you know, but what you have to do is you just stand your ground and give them what spirit says and and that's all you have to do and you have to remain composed and just have the confidence to relay the message to them. And, and if they're skeptical, you know, that's all right, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. You know? And yeah, I used to take it personally. I don't anymore. Um, exactly. You know, you know, I don't know why they would be skeptical or why, you know, to be honest, why would someone pretend to do this? You know what I mean? Like, like I why have, waste and why waste yeah. your money? Mm-hmm. You know, it's like, what yeah. are you getting from like paying me to read for you if you don't believe right. in any of right. this? Like, well, and what? Yeah. yeah, what I've noticed too is my guides, because we all have a gatekeeper, right? And I have a gatekeeper, and I know his name. I know who he is, and he protects me from a lot of people, like you know, they're skeptical or they're mean, and a lot of my guides they won't give these people messages or they withhold things when they're skeptical. I've noticed when people have very high vibrations, they get more messages, more messages come flowing in. Yeah. I mean, you and I first started the conversation and they were just telling me to tell you things. Like it's like, you know, things just start coming through. And that is my experience. If I'm with somebody who's open and receptive, it's like, 
it, it's just like having a conversation and yeah. just, or like, like I'm reading, it's just easy peasy. I had one experience. I was much younger and I did not have the self-confidence I have about the work now. And I also cared, like I, I cared a lot more about what people thought of it. And this one guy, it was a, a phone, I think it was a phone reading and this guy called in and I was doing this phone reading and he was just, he was the most skeptical person I'd ever met. Like he was just like this, I believe this is total bullshit, but you, you know, I want you to prove me wrong. And I remember like, he's like, he was, and I think he tipped his hat that he'd been in the military, but he's like, I was in the military. What, what did I do? And I was immediately like, I can see you working at a desk. And he just went back and he's like, anybody in the military is working at a desk. And I'm like, not for a layperson. I'm a civilian. I think of people in the military as in helicopters and like out in the trenches or doing something. For me to see you at a desk, for me, was kind of like not my first thought. But it was so interesting because he just shot me down. Like he was just like, rah, rah. adult. They've done that to me too. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. <laughs> they just, they do that. And some just need to get off on being right. Mm-hmm. But I also think there are those who are desperate for to be proven wrong. Like what they really, really want is the miracle. They want that yeah. sense. Of, it's like they're craving faith, but they just don't know how to get it. And so right. they bring their cranky curmudgeon self into it, which unfortunately makes it harder to read for them. Well, it causes blockages when you're skeptical and you're put, grilling somebody over the coals or raking someone over the coals, you're going to get negativity in return. <laughs> you know what I mean? So it's like, well, and then um, it's such a double, it's a double-edged sword. <laughs> yeah. You get what you ask for. Yeah. But then it's such a double-edged sword because then what they will say is, this is just like you're sort of psychologically baiting people if you're saying mm-hmm. that you have to be open in order for this to work then yeah. like oh yeah well that's just your excuse like it it's like it's funny because we know this to be true like yeah. if somebody's skeptical and blocking it they're going to block it like right. you can't read for somebody if they're blocking right but, but or- even if they're blocked too if you give them a message they seems like they could really pick it apart but I really got to the point where I really don't care what people think about me, to be very honest. That's yes. their, what someone thinks of me is none of my business. Preach. That lesson has been one of the most valuable lessons yeah. that I'm still learning. Like I'll probably yeah, spend the rest hard. of my life learning it. It's difficult. It's, it's not, it's so easier important. said than done. It is. It yeah. is. Yeah. Well, and there's, and I think it's by degrees. Like, There are things that I do not care about anymore that when I was younger, I absolutely would have cared about that now I'm just like, knock yourself out. Like you want to believe that you want to do that. No problem. But there are definitely, like you were saying, just kind of like dealing with people who don't get you and your daughter at school. Like that's still that place where it's kind of like, it still matters a little bit. And I think we all have that. Yeah. It really is. I was just going to say, I have, somebody in the family and they're a science person and they were skeptical a little bit at first, but they were a mean skeptic. They were a healthy skeptic, which is fine. And they treat animals. They're an animal doctor. And I told the person, I said, you treated a cat today and you put it to sleep. And they said, yeah. And I said, and it had bladder cancer. And the person stopped in his tracks. He said, what did you say? said it had bladder cancer. He said, I've been a vet for 20 years and bladder cancer in cats is extremely rare. I've I've only seen one in my 20 years of doing this. And he said, for you to know that and to know the age of the animal, the color and everything and and the name, you know, I mean, he just, you can't explain that. Right. 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 Yeah. Yeah. Mm. So. So right. <laughs> now we are at that point where I say, oh my goodness, Jamie, I cannot believe how fast the time has gone by. And I always mean it every single time I say it, because I'm just like, holy shit, where did all that time go? Yeah. It went by really quick. It really did. <laughs> it was fun. It really did. It yeah. was so fun. Oh, this has been, and this has just been such a delightful conversation. I hope that the audience, like one thing I really hope people are taking from this is like, there is just so much more to the world than is dreamt of in our philosophy. I and so. sometimes like if you ask for proof, you will get it. 
Like, you I know, agree. Put I, the no, flashlight out. Yeah. Yeah, I totally yeah. agree. So since we are at this point, first question is, what else? Is there anything that you're feeling like you'd kick yourself if you didn't say it? I just feel like people should just have an open mind and an open heart with this. I've had so many things happen to me in my life that are unexplainable. You know, like I said, I have a daughter who has autism and it's very difficult for me. I love my daughter, but, you know, I come up against challenges, which I have to be a strong person and face those difficulties, which I, I can, you know, and and that's why I like doing this work because, you know, it's it's more of a spiritual based work and I do energy healing. So that's that's helped me. But um, there was one thing that happened. I was overwhelmed and I was laying down in a spare bedroom and I saw my grandfather. He was standing about five feet from me. Notice that I saw him and he disappeared. He was solid. And I just want to say that there's just so much magic that if you just open your eyes to it and your mind, that really phenomenal things can happen. Mm. Open your eyes and mind to it and really phenomenal things can happen. I will also add to that and say that be open to how it comes to you. It may not come the way you expect it to. Some people see things, some people hear things, some people feel things, some people smell things, you know, it's like it can come in different forms. And so like for me personally, I don't see auras and ghosts with my eyes. Like I don't see solid concrete forms, but I can see them in my mind and I can sense them. And you know, and so, and I've been in enough weird haunted places at this point. I've had ghosts walk through me, <laughs> um, oh, which yeah. is rude. Like, I, but I think that there are certain ghosts that really enjoy, like they get off on doing that to those of us who can feel them because they think it's funny to goose you. Like, that's what it feels like when, at least for me, when I'm a ghost walks through me is I feel like I've just been goosed. But, but yeah, it it doesn't necessarily like just be open to how it's going to come for you, yeah. And, and it, trust yeah. what you know, yeah. Like if you you're like, oh my god, a ghost just walked through me, just trust it. And you yeah. can't force this. This is another thing with these readings. Yeah, we're not dealing with ego. We're dealing with spirit. Because I had a client say, well, what about this and this? I said, wait, we got to get out of our ego. This is not ego. This is spirit. Sometimes you we don't know like what about this or. Why is this happening? We don't always know that. We don't have all the answers. We're not God, but we can get them. We can get the answers, but we don't, maybe we don't have everything. Maybe it's not revealed because also we have a soul contract when we come here and we have to experience life lessons. And maybe sometimes you or I aren't allowed to tell them or we're not shown these things because these people have to go through it. That's part of their soul contract. Yeah. 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 And also so often you'll have people where uh, they are not, you tell them exactly what they need to hear. And it's like, it doesn't land for another uh, six months, five years. Like, you know, it's like, sometimes the information comes through, it's exactly what they need to know, but they are not ready for it and they have to process it. And then like, I mean, I've heard this from I've had this experience and I know so many psychics have had this experience of like, Oh my God, you said this you know, six months ago, you said this a year ago, you said this five years ago. Now I understand exactly what you said. Like, now I get it. That's true. If you write a review for someone, they'll say, wow, it didn't happen. But like you said, and and I've experienced, I had a client where two years ago, I predicted something and she called me and she says, and it was a really like over the top prediction. And she said, it happened. It happened. Excuse me. (laughs) So, I mean, yeah, you just have to you know, time is fluid, right? It is fluid. Well, and like I was telling you earlier, I was like, there's, this will happen. And then they were like, but the timeline is really fluid. It's like, it, this event could happen anywhere between the next, you know, between the next two to five years. And so that's the other thing, like, and spirit is outside of time. So they're just like time, whatever, like we don't care. We created time. There was another thing. I I like the near death experiences. And there was a woman that passed away and 
she actually, like when she was unconscious, she saw a doctor coming in from another hospital and she, you know, that's how you can really believe this because they're seeing things go on when they're like unconscious, you know, Mm -hmm. but she said that she was met by a guardian angel and the guardian angel told her, if you decide to go back, this is what the rest of your life is going to be. But you have to know that some of the stuff could change because there's other people in your life and they have, we all have free will. So some of it could change. Yes. So yes. Yeah. It's one of the things that my guides often will say, and they're very, that, you know, it's like that statement of you create your own reality. They're like, we create our reality. And it's we, I have choices about certain things that are within my own personal realm, but it's the factor, it's the it factor of multiple wills, multiple people. We create the reality as a whole collective. And that's part of why it's such a wild ride, especially right now. Yeah. 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 So Jamie, um, the next question I've got for you is the exercise of doing a time travel exercise. And I love to do this with everybody and I'll just frame it. I'll explain it. So I really believe that podcasts exist outside of time. They sit on a server and people will be listening to this conversation for years after you and I are having it right now. But in the same way that like a stone can be dropped in a lake or a river and the ripples go everywhere. I really believe that this broadcast is going both forward and back in time. And so what I believe you and I can do is that as we are sitting here in this moment in October of 2023, which is when we're recording this, not when it's going to air, but when we're recording this, that we are dropping, we're, we're sending a beacon both ways. And so what I love to do is I know we are sending, we're going back and we can go back in time and not only send a message, but literally give a message to another part of ourself. So my question for you is what, who, when are we going back to? Who is the Jamie that needs a message? And what do you tell her? And I really love not talking to her like I would say, but really like imagining we are going back and you are talking to her. And so this is your opportunity to tell her what she needs to hear. So where, who, when are we going back to and let it rip? Uh, I feel like I'm going back to 1986. I was young then and I was just sort of kind of being more aware, a little bit more, even more aware of things. And I would just say, you know, I'm here to help people and I'm here to make a difference in the world and, and keep shining your light and, and stay gold. <laughs> I love that. Stay gold. I, stay gold. Boy. Yeah, exactly. I love the <laughs> outsiders. So I had to throw that in there. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Exactly. So, I mean, just uh, be your authentic self and you know, for a long time, I kind of hid who I was. I, like I said, I'm just announcing that my daughter is autistic. I just yeah. wasn't telling people things, but you know what? I just want to be authentic. You know, I yeah. need to, to tell people who I really am. And, and that's what I would say to myself way back then is just be who you are, be a good person and, you know, shine a light for others. Mm. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. Um, And I'm wondering, or I'm thinking perhaps you and I could come back around for a second conversation where we could talk about what it, you know, just that the intersection between, you know, the, all of the sort of neurodiversity, neurodivergent spectrums, intersection, empath, autism, what it's like to be the parent of a kid on the spectrum. Um, Definitely. Yeah. I think keep this conversation going. I That'd think be so. Cool. Yeah. yeah. Um, yeah. and I'm writing some books. I have some journals out there, the gratitude journal, just where we could be grateful of things every day. Just um don't take things for granted. Just because sometimes people think, gosh, well, I don't have this and I don't have that. Cause on social media, you see someone's really beautiful, or maybe they live in a big house or they have it all, you think. But um, we just have to be grateful every day for what we have and and our, our family and that kind of thing. The other journal I'm making or creating is a safe space or safe place journal. 
And that's also for people on the spectrum, but just anybody that they feel that they're in a safe place every day. Like, where is your safe place and how can you get to your safe place? So those will be on my website, hopefully within the next few weeks. Awesome. Yeah, that is wonderful. Which leads to the final question, which is how do we get in touch with you? Uh, You can go to my website. It's psychicjamie.com and it's J-A-M-I-E. And I'm on Instagram at SoCalHealer. And that's where you can find me. And, and on Twitter at SoCalHealer. Awesome. And, I'm, and the Electric Spirit Podcast. Thank um, you. That yeah, was what I was yeah. just going to ask you about yep. too. Is And yeah. I believe Electric Spirit is on all major platforms. Yep. So you guys can and catch YouTube. that. Yeah, YouTube. definitely. Wonderful. Mm-hmm. And I'm also writing a book right now. It's a secret. And that should be out soon i'm actually going to be sending it to a major publisher uh next year so wish me luck <laughs> but it's uh i'll probably be offering different things on my website in relation to the book but awesome awesome yeah. awesome yeah. wonderful well and um you know whether you end up going the major publisher route or the self publishing route thank thankfully mm-hmm. nowadays it is really viable to self publish and yeah. get the book out into the world so sure. i trust that your book is going to reach the people it's supposed to reach and i thank wish you. you having written and being working on you know working on a book right now you know it's a devotion let's just put it that way it's a real right. con- yeah Oh, Jamie Lynn, this has been such a rich, such a good, deep conversation. Thank you so much for being Mm -hmm. here. This has been great. Thank you. I really enjoyed being on your show. Thank you so much. I love your podcast. Oh, thank you. It was an honor. Thank you so much. My pleasure. As we come to the end of this episode, I'd love to hear what you're taking from this show. Please jump over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com to leave your comments. In the show notes, you'll find a link to grab your copy of My Empathic Safety Guide, Three Basics for Finding Calm in the Eye of the Storm. And while you're there, please subscribe and follow this show. And thank you for your help sharing this show with the people who need it. Please help me to spread the word and send this podcast to friends or family members who need support living as highly sensitive empathic people. Then join me again when the next Empathic Mastery Show airs. Okay, one last time. Hop over to EmpathicMasteryShow.com for your empathic safety guide. And until next show, shine on. We need you and your gifts here on this planet. So please don't judge your empathic rainbow by colorblind standards.